0: Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Pastor Ken Werlein and was recorded on Christmas Eve 2021. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love to connect with you, so drop us a line at podcast at faithbridge.org. And if you're in the area, join us on campus on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and come say hi. For more sermons plus other great content and stories, visit faithbridge.org slash podcasts. Here's Pastor Ken. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas from Faith Bridge. Merry Christmas from the Worline family. There's our Christmas card, and you can see our Wesley is 17 now, and our William is 14. So our family, like your families, are growing up. I'll tell you what, we're going to go into uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. So why don't you take your Bibles, and if you need one, you can just wave at the ushers. They're coming in uh, both rooms right now. And if you're online, let me just say welcome to you online. I know we got a lot of people there. Merry Christmas, wherever you are. You can be turning on your devices to Matthew chapter 2. That's where we're going to be going in just a minute. So it occurs to me that there's any number of people here today. Some of you are here for the Very First time ever. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Others of you, you're here for the very first time in a long time. Welcome back. So glad that you're here. It was really good last night to see so many old faces coming back and the same this morning. So glad that you're here uh, today. It occurs to me that there's people Uh, today worshiping who are uh, married, some who are single, some who are separated, some who are divorced, some who are grieving, some who are full of joy, some who are excited to be here. Maybe you were a guest. Others of you, you were kind of dragged here by your ear, but we're going to get through it, so hang in there, and we're glad that you're here. Some of you, you love the carols and the colors and the commercials of Christmas. Others of you, You're like, I don't really like it all so much. But however it is that you're here, we're glad. And it occurs to me that even as there's a lot of different responses and mindsets in our midst right now, there have always been a lot of different responses about Jesus going back to the very beginning of his life here on earth. And that's what I want to notice today and help you to see three different sorts of responses. And I just have a sneaking suspicion you might find yourself in the story. All right, so Matthew chapter 2 starting in verse 1. Let me just read it to you. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked him, Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born they said in Bethlehem in Judea for this is what the prophet has written and then jump to verse 7 and then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem and he said go search carefully for the child and as soon as you find him report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense Now here's the interesting thing. We don't know a whole lot about these magi or wise men as sometimes they're referred to. Other than that, they were from the east, from the Holy Land. That would have been somewhere over in Babylonia or in Persia. And we know that they would have been highly educated. They would have been... Uh, highly uh, influential and admired by their society and they would have been highly rich because only wealthy people could take a trip for weeks and months as they were taking. In other words, they had everything that anybody else who looked at their lives would ever say, that's what I wish I had too. And yet... There was something inside of them that said, it's not enough. Yeah, we're wealthy, yeah, we're popular, yeah, we're influential. But there must be something more. There's got to be something more to life than this. I suspect there's any number of you hearing my voice right now, and you've had that very thought before. There's got to be something more. But you know what we do? Typically what we do is we sort of bat off those sorts of feelings and say, no, nah, what I need to do is I just need to get back to work. I need to make some more money. I need to get some more popularity. Get some more likes. Get some more uh, travel. Go see some more places. And one of these days, all those things that I've always been getting more of, finally, I'll wake up one day, and there'll be enough. And I'll be fulfilled. And yet, deep down inside your soul... You're like, yeah, but it never happens. That's what was going on with these guys. What else was going to compel them on a journey, camelback hundreds of miles through foreign lands and rocky terrain? This quest that they just knew there's got to be something more to life than this. Incidentally, I know what's going to happen. But two or three of you afterwards, you're going to come up and you're going to say, I got a wise men joke for you. So I'm going to beat, the, beat you to the punch, all right? So you know how we know that they were wise men and not wise women? Because if they'd been women, they would have had the smarts to stop and ask directions. And they would have brought some useful gifts like dinner and diapers. Because myrrh, who brings that? Only a man. Here, baby, have some myrrh, all right? So, these wise men, they set out, and they go to the capital city of Jerusalem. You know why they go to Jerusalem? Because they figured, well, if it's a newborn king, he'll be in the capital city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So here's what I want to do. I want to put a little pin in the wise men. We'll leave them here in that part of the story. And then we need to go over and talk for a moment about this other character. This is Herod. Now let me tell you some things about King Herod so you can really appreciate the story. Herod was a conniving, scheming, manipulating, power-hungry sort of man. And he had gone and worked out a deal with the Roman government and said, look, you make me king of Israel, and I'll keep that place so locked down, you will never have any uprisings in the Pox Romana. I'll keep it just the way you want it. And they bought it. And so the Roman Senate named him Herod, king of the Jews. And he loved being king. And he was paranoid about losing his kingship how paranoid was he I'll tell you how paranoid he had 10 or 11 wives only one of them did he ever really love and her name was Miriam and one day he became convinced that she was doing an end run around him to try to take the throne from him you know what happened to Miriam he had her executed he had three sons you know what happened to them he had them executed just to make sure they didn't get any ideas too. And then when he was telling the barber, while the barber was working about on it, telling him about the sons, the barber said, you shouldn't have killed your son. You know what happened? The next day, the barber is executed. This is a man Herod was. That was maniacal, and he was paranoid about losing his power. And so, now you can understand a little bit better where it says in verse 3, when they got to Jerusalem, and they go and they ask, where is this newborn king? It says, Herod was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, because when Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It also helps you to realize in verses 7 and 8, where it says then that he calls the wise men or the magi to him and says, hey, go scout out where this new king is born, because I want to go and worship him too. Anybody who would have heard that would have rolled their eyes and said, yeah, we see what happens when you go to worship. The other people don't come out alive All right, and so this gives you a little bit of understanding to appreciate what's going on in the story and I think it brings us to the first of the three profiles I just wanted you to see today so if you're a note taker here's the first response I see in the passage Herod models the heart of resistance say the word resistance Resistance. all right any of you just resist saying that? This point's for you, okay? So, so sit up and listen. If you just resisted saying that. See, Herod, he resisted the thought of any other king. Any no other king needed, because it's good for me to be the king. You ever know anybody who had to be the king? I've known a lot of people like that. I'm thinking of a friend of mine who's on his fourth marriage, just kind of like clockwork, works through him and onto the fourth one, but he really loves this wife, and then one day his solar system started to crash in, and it was his fault, and he panicked, and he realized everything about my life is falling apart, And that was the day he hit rock bottom. And that was a good day. And some of us who had known and loved and prayed for him a long time are like, thank you, God, that he's finally hitting rock bottom. He got himself checked in and checked out and working on some steps to building a plan to recovery. And he got humble. In his heart, and he realized, I can't be the, sol- the center of my solar system, which he'd been trying to be forever. And any of us who knew him and loved him are like, dude, you're always, you always have to be the center of your solar system. Solar systems don't work that way. There's only one king of kings. And that's Christ Jesus. And your life can actually work if you would get him into the center of your solar system. But it's never going to work as long as you keep insisting on being the center. Because he always had to be the king. But that marriage has been saved. And he humbled himself. And he got the Lord into his life in the right place. And it's really been a marvelous thing to watch. But I wonder, you ever know anybody who had to be the king? Are you that person? Do you always have to be the king? Now, whenever we talk about king language, it always sort of leans people in the direction of males. It's like the wives are sitting there going, I'm glad he's hearing this right now. All right. So let me, you know, let me just say, uh, women, ladies, uh, we would never be so patronizing here at Faith Bridges to think that you too couldn't be as sinful as men. Every bit. All right. And so let me balance things out tell you another story it's of a man that I was talking to um, and uh, we were at a a gathering and his wife was just going on and she's a hot mess wherever she goes it's just it's like oh my gosh and too much overdone excessive the wearisome and he looked at me and he said Pastor Ken you know that point when in your developmental process usually around adolescence one day you realize it's not all about me, the world doesn't revolve around me. I'm like, yeah, he's like, yeah, my wife never got there. So I guess you could say she had to be the queen. And everything about her world had to revolve around her. And I'm telling you, it's hard to be in relationships when people have to be the king or the queen. In fact, I taught about this some years ago in a different setting. And there was a, a couple that came up to me some, year, uh, some months later. And they said, hey, you know that thing you were telling us about Herod and you know hum, humility? And I was like, sure, sure, sure. And they said, that, that so helped our marriage. I'm like, how did it help your marriage? They said, well, it gave us a terminology, a little phrase that we use with each other. Whenever one or the other of us gets a little high on the horse, a little smug, A little, it's all about me-ish. The other of us just says, honey, your Herod is showing right now. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. All right. So the heart of the problem for Herod was the problem of his heart. And I suspect the heart of the problem for many of you might very well be the the problem of your heart too. Because you weren't made to be the king. Only Jesus can do that. But because he was resistant, Herod had to figure out where is this new Messiah, this savior, this new king? Where is that gonna happen? Where is he gonna be? Where is he gonna be born? Because I gotta go kill him. I mean worship him. And so he doesn't know the Bible very well, so he calls his scribes. He calls the teachers of the law and the chief priests. And he says, hey, you all know the Bible. Wait, is there like some prophecy? Where is he supposed to be born, this Messiah? And they unfurl the scrolls and they look it up in, in our Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. And they say, hmm, right here it says, he will come out of Bethlehem. And that's where He gives instructions to the wise men, hey, go and find this, this newborn king over in Bethlehem, right? Now, I want to make an observation about another group of people, these chief priests, these teachers of the law. You would think they'd have gotten excited, right? Because now they're like, wow, this is like a moment. You follow the star, Bethlehem, maybe this thing's really happening. And so you'd have thought they'd be like, get the the wagon ready, let's go with the wise men. They didn't do that. The people who should have been like, we're going too. They're like, eh, we're not going. we got other stuff to do. Which leads to the second response that I see in people when it comes to Jesus. And that is the scribes or the chief priests, they modeled the blasé heart. Say blasé. Now, see, that's kind of a fun word to say, right? Blase, right? And so what does it mean? It means sort of, meh, I, I don't know. I'm just too busy. I'm apathetic. I don't care. I'm just, uh, you know, maybe I'll get around to stuff like that one day, but I'm too busy right now for God and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And so even though they knew, they didn't go. And it couldn't have been because it was such a long distance, because if you've ever been to the Holy Land, you know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem. Six miles we have suburbs four times that distance that we travel every day. See, I couldn't have been for inconvenience. They just have this blase heart. And I'll tell you something that, that concerns me. I've had several conversations with people I know and love, and, and I've known their hearts, and I've known their love for the Lord, and their passion for God, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but something, I don't know, something kind of sort of fell off during the pandemic. And maybe I'll see them at the grocery store. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. And they're like, I know. It's just haven't, I don't know. We just, just kind of got busy the last year or two. I'm like, Does you, your heart still beat for the Lord? Yeah, yeah. But I find myself going, I hope that's really true. But I wonder, have you given yourself into the blasé heart? Because that can happen to any of us. If we're not careful and we start to get careless, we can get very apathetic about the things that really matter. I know that from, from an unforgettable instance in my life when I was 16. I had just gotten my driver's license, and I was so excited to be driving, and I had a friend named Carl. And so we went to the theater and I was driving, and after the uh, thing was over, we got in my car, and I proceeded to back out of the car, uh, back out of the parking place and went straight back into the side of a car that was parked horizontally the passenger side just smashed into this car and we stopped and get out of the car and run around and looked at my bumper and my bumper's fine cuz i drove a tank and but that one looked terrible and carl braced the silence and he's like it could have been worse and i was like yeah you you can't see it too well especially if you squint right and 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 so even though I knew what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to leave a little note on the windshield. Here's my name. Here's my identification. Here's my phone. Call me. We're gonna make it right. I'm so sorry this happened. And you know, he said, "Well, we better go." And you, you, life has too many things to worry about, Ken. You can't worry about this. I'm like, "Yeah." And somehow, in my knuckle-headedness, we got in the car. And we drove away, and I felt some twinges of guilt for a couple of days thereafter. But every time it would come, I was just like, "Well, I just you know stuff happens in life. You can't worry about everything." And until I'd pretty well put it out of my mind about a week later, until one evening when my dad got home from work, he's a lawyer, and he came straight to my room, closed the door, sat down on my bed, and I remember thinking this can't be good and he said son uh, today I I got a phone call from a Mr. Alex Pirelli. Does that ring a bell? I said no. He's like well apparently your car became intimately acquainted with his car about a week ago at the theater does that ring a bell? To which I said maybe. He said, well, you got a problem on your hands. Someone wrote down your license plate. And I've told you, all your life, the truth always, ways, always finds a way to come out sooner or later. And the truth is, now you owe him a lot of money. Because he faxed over the estimate from the repair shop that you now owe And he showed it to me. And suffice it to say, in that moment, I was lurched out of my blase mindset. That mindset of, you just can't care about everything. All of a sudden, I was smack dab back in reality. There were some consequences. and I won't go into those. But the memorable part of the story for me was this. Dad, knowing I did not have the money to pay that bill for that sports car. He said, I'm going to pay the debt that you can't pay. You know why? Because he loved me. And that's exactly what God has done for you through Jesus. See, a lot of people think God's against me, he hates me. No, that's the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas, that he would love us enough not to give up on us, not to wad us up like a piece of trash paper and throw us in the trash bin and say, I'm just gonna start over with a new planet and try to get some new people get it right. He said, no, I'm gonna step into your mess. I'm gonna become one of you. And he lived the life Jesus did of sinlessness that none of us could live, so that he could die the death of punishment that all of us deserve to die for our sins, so that on the third day he could conquer the grave that none of us would be able to conquer. And then he says, if you would just give me your hand, if you would take me into your life by faith and trust me and make me the King and the Lord of your life, I will bring life to you as well, abundant now and everlasting hereafter. But you have to step into it. See, that's the good news of Christianity. And so I, I say, if you have a blasé heart, what, why, how could you sit back and say, eh, Don't be like I was with the car. you got a problem, and the problem is you have a debt the Bible says, of sin. And denial is not a good strategy. You're going to have to deal with that. And you have a price that you can't pay. But it has been paid for you. If you would step into that good news. Like Rodrigo and Maria did. It's a couple that came here. they, They just moved in the last year. And she, um, she was curious about finding a church, looked us up somehow on Faithbridge, said, We're going to go to Faithbridge Church for Easter. And you remember we had the tent outside, and they came for the Easter. Uh, uh, under the tent event and, and they, I remember they stood in line afterwards and, and, and came up met me and, and I remember thinking well that's a cute young couple and, and I said hey you should come back and you should get involved and let's get in a group and with, you'll make some friends and, and you can grow in your, in your spiritual life and they're like yeah we're going to and I deep down confess I thought yeah I'll believe it when I see it You probably won't, you'll probably get distracted and I probably won't ever see you again but they did and the next week they were here and the next week and the next week and the next week and learning and growing and often waving or coming over to say hi to me and, and I got to the baptism service uh, a while back and there was Maria and she said I want to be baptized. You know what that symbolizes? That just symbolizes in the same way that, that Christ when he was taken off the cross was laid into the tomb and then raised back to life. What we're saying in water baptism is the old me has been laid to rest, buried with Christ, now raised to life. And so we celebrated her baptism and and then she began volunteering around here and see her around here all the time. And one day she said, Pastor Ken, and she gives me a Bible, hands me the Bible. And I said, no, what's this? And she says, well, I've got a Bible and I've, I've got it for Rodrigo because he's growing in his faith And if he was honest, he would admit, in fact, has admitted, really, I just kind of came because not so much I was curious, but because I just wanted to make my wife happy. But as he came, he began learning, and he began growing, saying, you know, actually, this kind of makes sense, and I, I think I want to step into this good news. And I got to the baptism service a month or two ago, and who was there but Rodrigo. And I got to baptize him as he declared his faith and his new walk in Christ Jesus. And I look at Rodrigo and I look at Maria and and I say, okay, now there's two people right there who are modeling the very heart of the wise men themselves. Who we left behind a little while ago. Let's come back to the wise men. Because we're going to close with them. Because Rodrigo and Maria remind me of of how it says that on coming to the house. In verse 11. The wise men saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down. And they worshipped him. You know why? Because they did not have the heart of resistance. Say resistance. They did not have the blasé heart. Say blasé. They had the open heart. Say, open. Open. And that's why it was that Rodrigo and Maria have been able to step in. And I'll tell you the interesting thing about when you step into the light, even as the Magi were following the light, when you step into the light, an interesting thing happens. And that is God shines more light. And so you step further into that light. And it becomes clear and he shows you more light. and, And you just keep going. But it means you have to, because all, well, look, I know that you have light. You know how I know that you have some light right here? Because you're here right now. So, my question is what are you going to do with that? Are you just going to bat it off and resist and say, that's as far as I'm going? Did Christmas 21. We'll see you maybe at Easter. Are you going to be eh, blase? Yeah, 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 spiritual things. Or might you step in and make his story your story and take him as your savior? And while I'm giving you an invitation, I want to invite you. I think you heard earlier in the announcements. We're doing a series that I'm so excited about as we uh, go into 2022. We're going to do something we haven't ever done. We're going to just go through the book of Luke all in one year. And because and, I've just spent some, uh, a good bit of time this fall looking at just all the different sections of Luke and you have miracle, teaching, parable, miracle, teaching, and Dr. Luke was so copious to give us all this detail and so we're just going to take a journey through the book of Luke because I've just felt like God said I want you to spend 2022 getting to know my son Jesus more and better. I want you to come back. Let's take that journey and you step further into that light and you see what if God doesn't begin to become more real and the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit more palpable inside of you. And then, friends, you will have truly experienced the miracle of Christmas. Come, let us adore him. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for um, your word and for how relevant it is even though written several thousand years ago we find ourselves in the very same sorts of positions as Herod was as the scribes were the chief priests and as the wise men were Lord my prayer is that each person hearing my voice right now would say yes would say yes to you, Jesus, and step in and say, you know what? This isn't going to be a one and done. I actually think I will come back because I want to grow. I want to learn more about this Jesus and not just hear about him from friends of mine who attest to something that's happening in their soul. I want that to be happening in my soul too. And so, friends, if you've never said yes to him, I invite you even today. You just say, Christmas 21, this is my... This is my this is my season. I'm going to step into that light, Jesus. Would you make yourself real to me? Transform me from the inside out. You ask him to do that and others of you maybe you're like, oh, I've trusted him into my life before, but I have I have gotten a little blasé. Maybe Today's a day for you to, to put aside the blasé mindset and say, you know what, I've got, I do. I want to get back. I want to be growing again and have a, a vibrant relationship with God, not just putting him out on the outermost part of my solar system, but getting him into the center again. You tell him that right now in this moment as well. Lord, we thank you for coming into this world and for showing us your amazing grace. Because all grace that you give to us is amazing. We pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus.